Welcome to the RV Dreaming Podcast. And hello there. Welcome to another episode of the RV Dreaming Radio Podcast. My name is Stuart from Stuart Doing Stuff. Be sure to find me on Instagram there because a lot of what we talk about or what about a lot about what you'll see on Instagram and a lot of my travels you're going to hear about here on the podcast. So it's great to be able to kind of put a face to the stories that you're hearing or if you're hearing stories here on the podcast, it's great to be able to go back and uh, and see what I'm talking about because I want to talk to you. So our guest here that's coming up on uh, RV Dreaming is from Grand Adventure TV. And if you don't know, this is like a boondocking master. And I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the... Uh, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the difference, there we go, about boondocking versus dry camping. Do you know the difference? Now, they have a lot of similarities because in both situations, you are not hooked up to like traditional campground services like uh, electric and water and sewer. In both situations, boondocking and dry camping, you're on your own. So you got to manage your water, you got to manage your power, you got to manage your sewer tanks all on your own. I think the difference, and there could be other opinions out there, so be sure to drop your comments down below in, in the thing or find us on Facebook and comment. But the thing about that is boondocking, you, you're you out in the middle of nowhere. You're, you're national forest lands or BLM land. You're, you're out amongst the trees and the forests and the deserts and, and peace and quiet. You, you get some... some solid Solidity. Is that a word? Solidity? Versus dry camping... You can be doing that in urban downtown areas. It could also be known as stealth camping. You can be in a van or a small uh, rig, and you can be parked out on a street downtown. You could be camped out in somebody's neighborhood or maybe in a park or something like that. You're a little more dry camping. You're a little more stealth. I don't think that's really boondocking, so to speak. Okay? So I want to tell you just real quick what happened to me when I was in... Uh, Vancouver. I was in Vancouver Island and I found a parking space, a parking lot, so to speak. And there were no signs anywhere about overnight parking, no restrictions, nothing. Um, and so I went to go to pay my parking. It was like uh, $2. I'm sorry. It was like $1 for one US dollar for two hours or $2 U.S. for four hours, and then there was a six-hour rate, and then there was a 24-hour rate. And I looked, and I was like, a 24-hour rate? That means you could be here overnight. And so I looked around. I didn't see any signs about overnight park, uh, parking or anything. So I was like, well, this is a good spot to boondock for the night or dry camp. <laughs> it, 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 there were no signs. I was like, I think I'll just stay here tonight. Then I'll buy the 24-hour pass for $6 Canadian. And that's a pretty cheap spot to, to be safe and, and to do whatever. So I bought that rate, and I stayed in that parking lot for a little bit. And then later on that afternoon, I left. I went to go do some shopping. I went to go do some sightseeing. I took the scooter out. I was just out, out and about, you know. And then I came back in at around uh, 9 or 10 o'clock or so that evening, and I stayed overnight in that parking spot. No problem. In the morning, I took off again. I still had my 24-hour permit. 
uh, getting ready to go. I was trying to decide what I was going to do, and I decided I'm, I'm ready to go back to the mainland. I'm going to go back to Vancouver. So I changed my ferry ride to take a, to take uh, to leave where I was at instead of going all the way back down to Victoria, which was like two hours away. So I stayed where I was at, and I looked, and I was like, okay, right around now, 10 o'clock or so, my 24 hours came up on my uh, on my parking ticket. So I bought another two hours just to stay in that lot. Uh, actually, this was around noon. I bought another 20... Uh, I, I'm sorry, it was right around noon. I bought another two-hour lot just to stick around because I had to leave at like 12.45 or so uh, to start heading over to the ferry. So at around 12.20... Okay, I, I purchased pa- parking at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, in the daytime. At around 12.20, I was working, and I looked outside my window, and I saw a guy in an orange bright vest, one of those big safety vests, and he was—he took some steps backwards from my van, and he was taking pictures. And I was like, that's what you do when you're giving someone a parking ticket. You ain't giving me a parking ticket. I paid for my stuff. So anyways, I, I um, hopped out to the, va- the van, and I said, excuse me, sir. I was like, um, why are you giving me a ticket? Look at I've I've paid my parking and it's on my app. It was all registered by license plate um, and all that. And the guy says, sorry, I was told to give all RVs a parking ticket. And I was like, why? He goes, because there's no overnight parking. I was like, dude, it's 1230 in the afternoon. Who's overnight parking? <laughs> you know, I just I'm trying to play cool. I was like, well, I can't help you. I already wrote the ticket. I was told to give all RVs a parking ticket. If you have any problems, call this number. I was like, oh, my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. So, anyways, I took the ticket, and I wrote them down, and I sent a bunch of screenshots and whatever. Because what does overnight parking have to do with getting a ticket at 1230 in the afternoon? And, and the good thing is I just renewed my parking. So it shows that it was good from like noon to two. And so I was like, I don't understand. Like if you're going to do an overnight parking ticket, you need to get in there like six, seven, eight o'clock. You know, whatever times on the signs, the hours are, are not posted. That's that's when you need to be doing this. Right. And and that wasn't the case. There was there was nothing there. So anyways, I appealed it and I won. So that was great for me. In that particular situation, because there were no signs or and then there was whatever. But it's just one of those dangers of, of staying in a, a parking lot. They can give you a ticket for no reason, and it's going to be up to you to prove that you were in the right as opposed to them proving that you were in the wrong. So, anyways, that being said, our guest today from Grand Adventure TV is one of the greatest boondockers. And um, we're going to talk to him about that and a whole bunch of other stuff. And his channel, Grand Adventure TV, that's going to be all coming up next here on the RV Dreaming Radio Podcast. See the action on Instagram. Stuart doing stuff. Hear about it on the podcast. She goes her own way, like I don't give a damn girl. And my God, she owns it. So many heartbreaks, goes back to 2014. And I think that she knows it. And if you've seen her, I know that you would believe it, cause I... I know that you'd want her to, yeah I do Everyone's taking their shot, but missing out on the cut I think she knows that She drives them crazy when she's looking like that The way she's moving makes them want it so bad It's the attention that we wish that we had Yeah, it's almost cruel Cause I want her to, oh yeah, I'm running in circles just to make her react 
stuff. Goddamn, she's so fly. Knows how to write a good song. At least better than this. Cause if you've seen her, I know that you would believe it. Cause I, I know that you'd want her to. Yeah, I do. Come on and give it a shot. But you'll be missing the cut. I think she knows that. She drives them crazy when she's looking like that. She's moving, makes him want it so bad Gets the attention that we wish that we had Yeah, it's almost cruel Cause I want her to Oh yeah, I'm burning in circles just to make her on the RV Dreaming Radio podcast. And if you are a musician and you want to have your music, your original music, featured here on the RV Dreaming podcast, well, reach out to me, stuartdoingstuff at gmail.com. I'd love to be able to talk to you. Oh, you can also email me, stuart at rvdreaming.tv, because that's the name of this uh, podcast, the RV Dreaming Radio podcast. And today... We are really excited to uh, talk to Mark with Grand Adventure TV. Grand Adventure is a YouTube series dedicated to RV travel, camping, and outdoor adventures. The RV life, kayaking, hiking, skiing, those are all hashtags on his Instagram. I was just reading it there. So you can go find his Instagram at Grand Adventure RV and on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program, Mark with Grand Adventure. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. So talk to me about Grand Adventure. What is it that you guys do? Uh, we're kind of unique in the uh, YouTube segment uh, for the YouTube RV segment in that we try to produce really cinematic adventure travel videos. So we'll spend a couple of moments focused on camping on any also delve into the history of the area. We go hiking, kayaking, mountain biking, alpine skiing. We bring people along on adventures to show them just what an area has to offer should they decide to visit that area themselves. It's kind of like a little travel log for RV travel. Well, we've been on the road since 2017, 2017. Um, we went 
full time in 2020. Prior to that, we would go what we call long terming. We'd be gone for six, seven months a year. And then we woke up one day and realized this really makes sense to pay for a makes no sense to pay for a house that we're only occupying for half a year. So we went full time late in 2020, uh, right at the uh, height of the pandemic. Uh, so that was uh, kind of exciting. But uh, we're traveling in a fifth wheel trailer. We have a 2020 Durango uh, half ton D283 RLT, which is a 33 foot uh, lightweight fifth wheel. Uh, we pull it with a uh, Ford F-350 diesel. Uh, there are certain parts of the country. For example, we just completed a swing up along the Pacific Northwest coastline. And in areas like that, you pretty much have three choices, campgrounds, campgrounds, or campgrounds. Uh, so boondocking was really not an option. Uh, however, now that we've swung through the Cascades heading eastbound, Washington State, we're almost in Idaho right now, uh, that gave us the opportunity to get back to what... Sorry, you were cutting out for just a little bit. You said that gives you the... I don't know if it's mine or yours. Sorry about that. But you talked yeah, about you were on your way through Idaho. Yeah, and that gave us the opportunity to get back to boondocking once we got east of the Cascades. Uh, we're kind of in a unique situation in that for... Well, I don't know how unique it is these days, but for both solar and for Starlink, we really can't do with a heavy tree canopy. So, of course, the Cascades, you have these massive conifers. Uh, so, for example, the last boondocking spot we came from was, kind of, was definitely a first for us. We camped at the end of a grass airstrip. So that way we had access to the uh, clear skies for both solar and, uh, and, and for Starlink. Uh, right now we're in the Blue Mountains of extreme southeastern Washington, and we managed to find an area... Uh, where the trees have been harvested a number of years ago, so the trees are a lot shorter. Uh, we have a little bit of a view here, so it's working out well. You know, as a boondocker, tell me about your power setup. You said you have solar. I'm assuming you're, you've got mm -hmm. some lithium batteries going in there. Correct. What kind of, what, tell me about your electrical setup. Well, we have 1,200 watts of solar on the roof, and that pretty much maxed out the roof real estate that we have to work with. Um, and they are feeding six Battleborn 100 amp hour lithium iron phosphate batteries. Uh, we use a Victron uh, smart solar charge controller, uh, solar controller, uh, 150 uh, amp, 100 volt uh, charge controller. So that gives us the ability to pretty much go indefinitely as far as power our biggest limitation when we're boondocking is both our freshwater tank and our waste tank capacity so here's the million dollar question for people who are watching or people who are listening to this podcast mm. you know we get a lot of people that are in that experimental exploratory phase they're like is this really for me can i really do this yes. everything yes. that you just said there could be very scary to somebody who doesn't know what you're talking about <laughs> you know yes, yes again yes again <laughs> Okay, let's let, let's uh, make this as simple as possible. Yes, let's get into that. But first, a little bit of music here for your drive because of you by Elijah N. And then we're going to come back and get back into it with Mark from Grand Adventure. Now I got some peace of mind. And I'm not going to waste my time. Can't believe that I was so blind. All I want is to press rewind.
forget it all because of you It'll be clearer in a second all because of you You're listening to the RV Dreaming Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, and thanks for listening. We were talking with Mark from Grand Adventure RV TV, and um, we were just talking about his power setup, and I said, this is a little complicated. Let's uh, make this as simple as possible. Uh, We have enough solar and enough battery and enough inverter power to pretty much run like we're on hookups. The only exception, there, there are four things that we do not have connected to our inverter. And that is our two air conditioning units, our electric fireplace, and our electric water heater. And the last one's pretty, pretty, it really doesn't matter because, of course, we can run the hot water heater on gas as well, propane gas. So the only things we don't have access to are our electrical fireplace and our air conditioners. Other than that, we can pretty much go. Well, I think, wait, did we lose you again, Mark? Oh, okay, I, I'm, you're you're just starting to come back to me. I'm yeah, sorry. <laughs> it looks like we lost our connection again. Yeah. Thank you, no. Starling. Speaking of Starling, I ran over mine two days ago. No, no. <laughs> um, that is my worst nightmare. It is. It. I. I. I don't. I don't know what this says about me, but <laughs> I started driving away, and then I heard the clunk, and I was like. Start. I forgot, yeah. but you know, and what's the first thing I do? I grab my phone and then I take it around the corner of the van and I record it. And it's like, my first thought was like, grab the camera. <laughs> you know, I said, you know, and, and it's funny that you say that because I'm the opposite. Because every time I seem to have a mishap, I never think to grab the camera. I'm so stressed out and so beside myself for what I've done that I only think afterward, good gosh, I should have grabbed the camera. That would have made some incredibly engaging video. And I always seem to make that mistake. You know, if anyone ever got a hold of my videos that I don't use, I, I found that I scream at myself a lot. <laughs> you know, yes. it's like, you're, a, you're an idiot. Why didn't you think about that? Why would you do that? You know better. You know, I, I find it more therapeutic to just kind of like vent at someone and there's no one here except for me. And, and mine would be a total stream of sensor bleeping <laughs> <laughs> because I'm worse than a drunken sailor on shore leave. Uh, my vocabulary when I get frustrated with myself. So, yeah, no, it, it would be there would be a lot of sensor beeps involved. Yeah, and there, there definitely would be with mine as well. But, you know, the thing about Starlink, my my thing broke in half, my stand broke in okay. half, my the, the pole snapped but the cables were fine. And then the, the front of the dish, you know how it's all white. A mm, lot of it, mm. I, it scraped along the pavement for a while before I was able to stop. So a lot of that sure. kind of got trouble away, but it's working. Like I, I can believe it. I, um, I redid some of the wiring. I took out some of the stuff. It, it doesn't tilt or adjust. So I have to manually prop it up, you know, okay. so that it, it's there, but it plugs in, it powers on and I'm still getting 130 megs. So that's fantastic. Our link has been absolutely the best thing 
ever. There are so many times in previous years that we would arrive at a site that, good gosh, this is spectacular. So you whip out the cell phone and you, you check your signal and realize, gosh darn it, I can't stay here because I do work a full-time job from the RV. And that requires me to have reliable connectivity. And if I don't have reliable connectivity, we can't stay there. That's that's exactly true. I started my journeys just about three years ago. And for the first, I don't know, a year or so, I didn't have Starlink. And when it finally Should came be. in, it was a game changer. You know, because yeah. trying to fight with the Wii boosts and the cell phone boosters and all these other kinds of things. Been there. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I got rid of them all. I don't need it anymore. You know, unless yeah. you run over your Starlink, I don't need it anymore. So. Well, we do uh, We do still run our Starlink signal through a PepWave router, an LTE oh. router that does uh, have a couple of uh, SIM cards in there for different carriers. So that way we have redundancy and backup, again, because of the necessity of having reliable connectivity for work. You know, if we venture east, uh, we find ourselves in many occasions where you can't get a decent spot without having a tree canopy involved. Uh, so Starlink is out in those types of circumstances. So we rely on the SIM cards for a reliable and redundant backup. And that's one of the reasons why there's a big debate going on about the new flat mount Starlinks that will get permanently mounted to the top mm -hmm. of your RVs. And that's why I don't go with that. I want one with the long cable, you know, just for more flexibility, more options. And yes, it's a pain to have to set up and break down and do all this other kinds of stuff with every once in a while. But I'd hate to have something permanent where you find this great spot, maybe right by a river or, you know, in the forest or somewhere, but you're surrounded by trees and you just can't, you know, I mean, what's the point? We carry both the 75 foot and the 150 foot cable for exactly that reason. And there have been more than one occasion where I've broken out the 150 foot cable and ran the thing out to its full extent to be able to get the best visibility. Well, and that's what it's there for. It's, it's because it, for that exact reason, you know, so. Yeah. Um, and there, and, and it's good to have a second key with you anyway. Yeah. Uh, oh, because absolutely. we all know how fragile those connector ends are. Uh, so that way we have a backup as well. Yeah. And it's all proprietary. So it's not like you can just run to the, the best. Correct. Pick one up. So it's not going to. Correct. Although that is changing. Uh, now that Home Depot and Best Buy are starting to carry Starlink receivers, um, I would imagine there's going to come a time when they're available in store. Ooh, well, right now, it's order only, but you can purchase them through Home Depot and Best Buy now. Really? I didn't know that. That's great. Yes. I'm yeah, that's that took effect happy. a couple of months ago. Okay, that's going to yeah. make a lot of people happy, I'm sure. Especially if you need to get something delivered on the road, even if, you know, now it's online order only, but at least you can get it shipped to store. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, the one thing I'm going to say that's great about Starlink is when I submitted a ticket and I sent them the photos and wanted to see what happened, they just mm -hmm. said, hey, we're shipping out another one to you. It's no cost. You know, it's all. That's fantastic. That was the reaction that I had when they emailed that's me and they fantastic. said, we put it in as a damage equipment. We'll send you a new one. Um, and then you take the new one, you put the old one in the box and ship it out via the UPS store and done. And oh, that's that's customer service. That's that, the, that. Yeah, it was the greatest thing because I was already to shell out another what, five or six hundred bucks for another dish or whatever. I didn't mm -hmm. like it, but I was ready to do it. Um, right. But they go like, no, we got it covered. And so I was I was ecstatic. I was so happy. Wow, well, you should have been. Yeah. And I still have my the, the busted up one and it still works. So they actually have my one that's in transit right now that's up and running. And they let me, they left this one on, too. 
because they know that it still works. So when I there's no switching over or this or that. Well, they said once they get the old one, they'll just they'll take it off my account, but they're not even charging me for that. So, so. that is there. There's nowhere to complain about that. No, I'm. I mean, other than the fact that it shouldn't have happened at all, and that was entirely <laughs> my fault. Us <laughs> online. RVDreaming.tv. Remember to hit that subscribe button. Saturday night, I should have gone to bed, but I'm feeling alright. I'm thinking about us, girl, and I hate that we fight. Regretting what's been said and done. I guess I really need to tell you how I'm feeling inside. Even if I try, can get you out of my mind. Suddenly, it's obvious that you're the one. Listen, what I say, are you ready or not? Time to step it up, give it all you got. I'll be on my way, waiting outside your door You are all I want and more And girl, I know We're better than the rest together So much more It ain't better to be alone Let me show you what it's like To step into my life Don't you fight this feeling if it's right Just hold on Get up to you and I've got a plan I'm sorry if I hurt you, so please understand Can't change what has been said and done Guess I really need to tell you how I'm feeling inside Even if I try, can get you out of my mind Suddenly it's obvious that you're the one Listen what I say, are you ready or not? Time to step it up, give it all you got I'll be on my way, waiting outside your door You are all I want and more A girl I know P. Jones here on the RV Dreaming Radio Podcast. My name is Stuart, your host of the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here today. We've been having this great conversation with Mark from Grand Adventure TV, and I'm sure if you've been around and you're doing your research on YouTube about RVers and boondocking, there's no way you have not come across what Mark has going on with Grand Adventure. And so I wanted to kind of go behind the scenes of what 
you see on the screen and kind of talk about the mission and the vision and the goals of his channel. So let's pick up the conversation from there. So let's go a little behind the scenes of your channel a little bit. You know, what made you want to start doing YouTube and, and your document, your journeys? I mean, you've got a full plate already. You're traveling every week. You're working a full-time job. Why do you want to take on a project like YouTube on top of everything else? What, what's, uh, what made you want to start? The answer to that is simple because I, we love doing it. Um, photography has long been a hobby and while the skill set between photography and <clears throat> videography is not a direct transfer, there are of course elements to, that are common to both. Um, and we wanted to be able to share our adventures with other people say, Hey, look at this great spot where you could be camping this week. Um, one thing we do is we don't keep this stuff close to our chest. Every time, every single episode that we do. There's a Google Maps pin right in the video description to exactly where we work. Mm -hmm. um, so it gives people the confidence to get out there and try new things, maybe spread their wings a little bit. Folks who may be a little apprehensive about moving over to boondocking from an RV park. Um, and it gives us the ability to showcase where we're traveling. And it gives me the ability to further my photography and videography habits. So it all kind of rolls together. It's just for the love of doing it. If you didn't love doing it, you wouldn't be able to do it right. because there's not enough justification to do it unless you have passion for doing it. Yeah. I'm assuming that you've uh, camped out at courtside at some point in your travels. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'll extend an invitation to your audience. Uh, we host a rally uh, during the big uh, tent week in courtside. We host a rally in La Posa South. Uh, we had probably about 100 rigs uh, at our rally this past January. Uh, we co-hosted with Traveling Robert and another of other channels. Uh, and we'll be doing the same thing coming up in January 2024. So uh, folks are welcome to join us. They always say like Quartzsite, this is what I've been told, Quartzsite is kind of like your beginner boondocking spot. <laughs> like if, if, if you've never tried it and you want to try it, they say go there because there's always a ton of people that are out there that can help you that you can learn from mm -hmm. even if you fail miserably you, you totally misjudge your water you totally misjudge you know your your tank usage or whatever you know if you're in la posa south or in an ltva they have dump stations and fill stations available you know and Correct. whatever the only thing that really they can't help is is power if you're not set up with solar or, or something like that but um, everyone calls Correct. it a, a really good beginner ground because even if everything goes completely wrong there's going to be a ton of people there that can help you. And there's a lot of services that are out there. Um, it's not like you're truly out in the middle of nowhere. That is, that is absolutely true and a fantastic way to look, look at it. You know, if you've never boondocked before, there's no better environment than the LTVAs in Portside. I have a question for you because it sounds like you might know this. So I've been out in January, which is the busiest time of year for Quartzsite, as you know. It's insane. So I'll go out to the uh, La Posa South. What is up with all these rigs that are out there that take these big rocks and create this huge perimeter around their their RV? Like, have you, you've seen it, right? Where I have. They, they do this and they take these big rocks or trees or shrubs or whatever, and they create this, like their own the land or something like that. There was a friend yeah. of mine that actually set up probably about 15 or 20 feet from the rock. So you have the RV and then there's a space and then there's a, a rock area that's 20, 30 feet away from the rig. And then they set up another 10 feet away or 15 feet or I'm sorry, yards 
away from sure. that perimeter. And the guy comes out and starts yelling at him, saying, you can't park here. You're too close to my perimeter. You're too close to my space. And it's like, when, when, what happened here? What's going on here? Yeah, and, and, and it's funny because if I'm in a normal boondocking environment, now I'm, Quartzite is anything but a yes. normal boondocking environment. If I'm in a normal boondocking environment, my goal is to be as far away from anybody else out there as conceivably possible. We love to allow our Labrador the freedom to be a dog while we're boondogging. And not everybody likes your dog. I don't want my dog wandering into somebody else's camp. I also don't want to hear them. I don't want them to hear me. Uh, but in Quartzite, I think there are some people that approach it with that kind of mentality. But that kind of mentality really doesn't apply in an LTVA, uh, long-term visitor area. Uh, for, for those unaware. You're going to be on top of other people. And when you stick 10,000, 15,000 rigs in one relatively small area, <laughs> it looks much like a campground. I, I have, of course, seen those perimeters. I think it's a misplaced effort to try to do that. There are other reasons for doing that. I know that the folks who helped us organize the rally this year set up a huge one of those perimeters just to try to define the rally area. Uh, so that way people could set up inside the rally area and be as close to where the action was every evening as possible. To, to sit, think that you're going to get some sort of seclusion or privacy is a very misplaced notion yeah. in courtside. Yeah. I think a lot of people will do that. They'll say, hey, I'm here in November and I want my space. And so when it gets really busy in January, nobody will come bother me. But I just, it's not feasible. Yeah, no. No, it's not going to happen. We're talking with Mark from Grand Adventure TV. I'm going to ask him about his pet peeves while boondocking because everyone has them. That's coming up next on the RV Dreaming Podcast. I've been working on myself. I really try my best to
we've been talking with Mark from Grand Adventure RV, Grand Adventure TV, and we were talking about boondocking, especially out in the courtside area where it's it's you got so many people that you know boondocking is is supposed to be about being by yourself and and being away from your neighbor as best as you can, but courtside is just not always possible just because of the number of people that are there in the short amount of time in the small amount of space i mean it's it's really not classified as boondocking because you are going to be really close to your neighbors and and so we're going to talk about that. like this unwritten rules there's unwritten rules out there about camping it's just like mm-hmm. if you're in an rv park this is if you are boondocking what what are some of your pet peeves? What are some of the things? Like I love how you said when I'm boondocking, I want to go as far away as possible because that's the point. That's the point. But that is my biggest pet peeve. <laughs> is uh, you know you're out in the middle of nowhere. You've got the you've got a wonderful space and seclusion, be it on Forest Service land, be it on BLM land. And even though there are five thousand other decent campsites in the area, somebody decides to set up a hundred yards from you. And I, I think that mostly arises from people who aren't really confident in boondocking and feel that they have some level of security by being close to someone else out there. Um, but you're just that that person who was already set up went out there to achieve. Mm-hmm. What some people say, I like to be able to see somebody, even if it's at a distance. Like, even if they're 100 yards away, you know, just distance, know that they're not entirely alone. Yeah, and distance is different for different people. I mean, if you can see me in the distance a quarter mile away, more power to you. <laughs> I just don't want I, I just don't want you to be within earshot of me because I don't want to disturb you. I want to be able to have the freedom to do what I want to do while I'm out there. And I don't want to be disturbed by you either. I know that sounds selfish, but... And it's, it's a different situation if you're in an area where there are no other spots. Mm-hmm. But if you have plenty of other spots to choose from, don't choose one right on top of the next guy. It's no different than, it, let's say you wander into a, you know, a first come, first serve campground. And there are 25 spaces in the campground, only five of which are occupied. And instead of setting up way over there you set up right next to someone who's already there. That that makes no sense. Why would you do that to yourself, much less to someone else? What are some other things that, like, so I'm in an RV park right now. I'm at a hot springs up here in Canada, and mm. um, I'm in a van right now. So the spots that I can fit into are tinier, just because that's just the nature sure. of it. But sure. right next to me, behind this curtain, there's like a 32-foot bumper pool. And mm-hmm. they it's, it's really big for this tiny spot. Like, I don't know if it's the only one that they had or why they, we got assigned spots here. So I don't know why they assigned them there. Maybe it was the only one that they had, but their awning is coming out and it's almost touching my van, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and there's no reason for that. I, they can put it out halfway and have plenty of shade. I have my awning out maybe about 18 inches, just enough to shade the mm. sun coming in on the windows. You know, that's, Great shade, so so that way the sun's not bearing down. And, and I don't blame I don't blame the folks in the bumper pole as much as I blame the RV park for designing their sites that close together. Now, in in with all due respect to them as well, I mean a lot of these RV parks were built at a time 
when RVs were quite different than they are today. Nobody had a slide. Uh, RVs were a lot shorter. Uh, so if it's an older RV park, it's a little more understandable why things might be a little more cramped. Uh, but the folks who try to, you know, use a crowbar to shoehorn every last space into the acre or two that they bought when they opened the RV park. Um, there's no reason for that now. You know, that's an interesting point that you, you brought up. Just like anything, um, RVs have gotten bigger. They've gotten longer. Mm. They've gotten wider. Mm. The trucks that pull them, like the dualies and these big old rams, have gotten bigger and longer and yes. wider. Um, these campgrounds have not. They, these campgrounds don't go through a remodeling period like uh, a lot of these other like hotels will refresh it up. They'll remodel. They'll upgrade. It doesn't happen to RV parks. Well, it's not easy to do. You'd have to basically rip up the whole site and start from scratch. And I don't begrudge an older RV park for having that situation. It is what it is. Now, will I look for a newer one with bigger spacing? Oh, heck yeah. Um, anytime I have to book a stay in an RV park or a campground, I'm breaking out Google Satellite. Because A, I want to see how much spacing there is between the sites. B, I'm looking for visibility and any potential obstructions. So I'm doing it for two reasons. But if I have a choice between two RV parks in the same area, I will opt for the one with the greater space, all other situations being equal. Yeah. And even though they may be more money, because there's not a lot of incentive for an RV park to make the spots bigger. Because if they don't have no. land, like, why, why bother? Yeah. No. And that's why I said I... Uh, you know, I direct my, my, my frustration at the folks who were opening up new ones and trying to shoehorn as many spaces into their two and a half acres as possible. Leave some green space, leave some room, um, and you'll make up for it, not in the, in the volume, but you'll make up in the quality of the experience that you're providing to your customers who are going to rave about that experience and come back and get their friends to come back or their online followers to come back as well. If anybody wants to see my idea of what an ideal RV park looks like, it's called Honeysuckle Meadows in Weirs Valley, Tennessee. Um, pull that up on satellite and take a look at that site spacing. They could have crammed three times the number of people in there, but they didn't. They opted to provide a quality experience to their guests. I, I can't tell you how many people have gone there based on our video shot at Honeysuckle Meadows, where we just raved about what a phenomenal job they did laying out that place. What's their price point? Is it more expensive than some of the other ones because of It that? was not. It was not. It, there was no resorty kind of price level applied. It was the same as everybody else in the area. So question yeah. is, as you're on the road, how do you decide where to go? What's your why? You know, people always travel for a reason. What's your reason that you're on the road? I look for an area where I can find scenic beauty because again, we try to take a cinematic approach to our episodes and it's, so you look for areas that have interesting things to offer an interesting history, a beautiful area, um, good hiking, good kayaking opportunities, good outdoor recreation opportunities. Um, I try to not have a plan. I try to wing it. I'll tell you right now, I have absolutely no idea yet where we're going to be next week. We decided on this area about three days ago, four days ago. 
um, look at the weather, we look at the temperatures, we look at the elevation to be able to accommodate those temperatures. Right now that we're getting into late July, I'm starting to look at wildfire smoke and where it's going and where it's emanating from. Um, so these are all factors that go into deciding which way we're pointing the vehicle. And that's one of the great things about traveling boondocking style as opposed to RV mm. park style. You Correct. can make those kind of decisions on the fly because you don't need to worry about reservations or availability. Very correct. And, you know, I mean, obviously we have to take a slightly different approach if we venture east of the Rockies. Uh, there's no BLM land east of the Rockies and national forest land is extremely limited east of the Rockies. Uh, so if we're, you know, from the Colorado Front Range West, we pretty much have that opportunity because we're going to be boondocking. If we wander east of the Colorado Front Range, okay, now we have to start booking a few weeks in advance to make sure that we have a spot. That was one of the hardest things. Being in the van, I have a lot of options. Like, I, I kind of know the direction you I'm do. going, but I don't have, like, reservations. So I know where I'm going to be and approximately what day I'm going to be there. But where I'm going to stay that night, I have a lot of different options. And that's one of the things... I enjoy about being in a van as opposed to beforehand. I was in a 40 foot super C towing a Jeep. That thing. So, you know, the deal. Yes. Yeah. I, I always said that thing went nowhere on accident. I even Google mapped how I'm going to get into a fuel station and how I'm going to get out and which gas station I'm going to go to. I, I, I think there are two categories of new RVers. One is the category where they go so small that they outgrow the thing in the first season and realize, yeah, I should have gone another four feet. Um, the other category are folks who decide they want to have a home on wheels and end up with some monstrosity and don't realize that they are really limiting themselves into where they can get into, where they can maneuver, where they can get gas, where they can find a campsite, where they can find a boondocking site. Um, and the larger you go, the smaller and smaller those opportunity pools shrink. There's a happy medium in there. And the happy medium is going to be diff different for everyone, depending on what their needs are. But you really have to analyze your needs and not go bigger than you need to be and not go smaller than you should be. I mean, there are a lot of people who only last in their first RV for a season or two. And, and after... That, that gives them the opportunity to understand, okay, what do I like about this unit and what do I wish about this unit? And that way you can take all those things and parlay them into valuable information that you're going to have at your disposal for your second RV. Yeah, that's the thing. A lot of people I know, I'm, I, I don't think I've known anybody that started too small and then upgraded unless there's a change in family environment. Like there was a couple. Oh, I know a few. <laughs> and, then a, and then a kid comes around or something like that. And most people downgrade. I, I mean, I went yeah. from the 40 foot and now I'm in the largest sprinter because I didn't think I could live in a van. And, and I thought it was going to be too small. I've done it for now 14 months, 15 months, I guess. And now and how's I, it working out? Oh, I love it. I'm actually thinking, mm -hmm. can I, go into a 19 foot because some of the things that bugged me about this one was like can i squeeze just into like the 19 foot regular sprinter that will fit in a normal parking space because i need the two spaces for this so now i'm kind of thinking, can i do that or is it not even worth it you know so yeah my truck alone is probably about the same length as your sprinter <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, we're, we're driving a crew cab long bed F-350. It's like 24 oh, yeah. feet bumper to bumper. Are you doing? It's crazy. No, no. Yeah. I, a single rear wheel, but, you know, it, parking the thing is like docking an aircraft carrier. <laughs> and uh, there's no such thing as a U-turn. <laughs> <laughs> At least you can back up though if you need to. You know, when I was towing yeah. the Jeep, you, you can't re you can't reverse. So right. going into a tight corner or, or navigating something, you gotta get it right the first time. Like you've got to be yeah. always on and focused. You know And you always have to have an exit strategy. Yeah. How am I getting out of where I'm about to go into? Yeah. Uh, we were looking for a boondocking spot uh up off of, in the madden peak area which is between mancos and durango colorado yep. and i should have dropped the trailer to go scouting but no i was lazy i said no we're not going to drop the trailer we're just going to scout with the trailer ended up on a single lane twisting forest service road with a huge drop off on the one side realized that the road was narrowing even further and getting buffer. I didn't want to proceed any further and I had nowhere to turn around. So that was a half mile of backing up on a narrow twisting forest road with a huge drop off on one side just to get the heck out of there. Stupid, stupid, stupid. I won't make that mistake again, but that's what makes us stronger as we learn from our experiences, right? There are times that I've thought about getting the drone out and flying that out ahead of me to oh, see what I've got. I didn't down even think about that. Yeah. I have yet to do it, but it's always sitting there in my back pocket as one, one other tool in the chest to try to figure out what I've got available back down these little spurs. We all do stupid things. And like I said, we learn from our mistakes. I mean, we were getting ready to leave this year and I want one of the projects I had to do before we, I say leave, I should explain. Uh, we winter at an RV park in Utah. Uh, we, I know most folks are like, why in the world would you do that? Uh, go somewhere warm. Uh, we actually go back to Utah for winters for ski season. Uh, so we winter in the RV. But anyway, we were getting ready for our travel season, which starts the beginning of May. And I had this list of projects I wanted to do. One of the projects is I wanted to sanitize the freshwater tank. I had filled it with the bleach solution, let it sit overnight, drained it, and went to rinse it. And one thing that I did a couple of years ago was I installed quarter-turn valves on the drain overflow PEX tubes. Because every time I would fill the tank, by the time I got to my boondocking locus, to be able to keep the water in there while I'm traveling. But I always had to remember to open it if I was filling it or when I was draining it. Well, dummy here. Uh, forgot to open those valves as I was refilling it with the rinse water. The tank swelled out to the point that it burst through its supports, burst through the underbelly material and crashed onto the ground and cracked. Now this is one week before we're due to leave for our season. That was another one of those sensor beep swearing moments, <laughs> uh, trying to figure out how in the world am I going to repair or replace this water tank in a week's time to still get out of here on schedule. We did, but yeah. stupid. You know, you learn from your mistakes. I will never forget those valves again. <laughs> you know, though, it's it's funny that um, people who are watching are, again, maybe thinking about going full-time, getting thinking about getting into this lifestyle. And mistakes are just part of the game. 
Like you can be on the road for five years, ten years or longer and still make basic errors because of just it lasts yeah. you know, it's just like you know better, but yet through one thing or another, um you just forget. I mean that's just yeah. how life works sometimes. And so I think for those of you that are thinking about doing this kind of life, you have to have some room just to mess up and, 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 and know that you're going you to. And you will. when it happens, just be in the right frame of mind to be able to, now you got a great story. Just last night getting here. Uh, I was a little distracted during the, uh, during the arrival process. I undid the fifth wheel hitch, got back behind the driver's seat, put it in drive. And thank God for a second there, I realized, wait a minute, I forgot to disconnect the umbilical cord and the emergency brake on the trailer. That would have been a disaster. I would have done a couple hundred dollars worth of damage if the realization didn't just hit me at that moment. There will come a time that I will forget it. It will happen. And I'll be looking for parts. <laughs> and it's not the money, 200 bucks or whatever. It's, it's the humiliation, at least for me. It's the embarrassment. It's like, man, how could I have been so stupid? You know? But like you said, no matter how experienced you are or how inexperienced you are, the mistakes will happen. It's not if, it's when. It's indeed. So, uh, Mark, just before we go here, what advice would you give to people who are looking to try and maybe boondock for the first time or in that phase where it's like, I just don't know if I can do this? If you're new to boondocking, fake it. Go into an RV park for a day or two and don't connect to the hookups. Monitor your water usage, monitor your electricity usage, monitor your waste tank capacities, get a feel for what you can and can't do. That way you won't make those mistakes on your first boondocking trip. As far as uh, RV lifestyle goes, it's sort of the same answer, just done differently. Go out, try it for a month or two. Don't get rid of the house and go whole hog in one shot. Uh, travel for one month, two months, three months, get a feel for how much you enjoy the lifestyle. Would you then ask yourself, would I want to be doing this for the next 12, 24, 36, 38, 60 months? Uh, and that'll give you an idea that'll, that'll lessen the intimidation factor mm -hmm. because you already know what you're experiencing just on a smaller scale. Mark, it's been a pleasure talking with you. People can find you at grandadventure.tv. That's your website. That's your YouTube channel. That's your everything. It is. It is. GreatAdventure.tv is a great central location. If you add slash links onto the end of that, you will get to everything that we do all on one page. You'll be able to subscribe to our YouTube channel from there. You'll be able to find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter, find us on Instagram, find us on MeWe, all available at GreatAdventure.tv slash links. Well, Mark, thanks again for joining us today on the RV Dreaming Podcast. I really appreciate your insight and taking the time to speak with us. And that's it for today's episode. I invite you again to remember to like and subscribe to RV Dreaming, the podcast. Find me. My name is Stuart. I'm on Instagram at Stuart Doing Stuff. That's S-T-U-A-R-T. Stuart Doing Stuff. And until next time, enjoy your travels. Make them safe. Make them fun and make them memorable. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the RV Dreaming Podcast. See the action on Instagram. Stuart doing stuff. Hear about it on the podcast. Be sure to subscribe. We'll see you in the next episode.